So next is uh, charging fees and disbursements through civil, uh, through civil society organizations. This can be found in Bylaw Seven, Part uh, V I. Paralegals are permitted to deliver legal services to members of the public through civil society organizations, which is CSO, as defined in the paralegal rules in Bylaw Seven made under the Act. if the requirements of Part VI of Bylaw 7 are met. So let's say that I am a practicing paralegal and I am providing legal services. Then legal services delivered through a CSO must be provided by me at no cost to the client, including by way of service, membership, or other fee model. This means that I, as a paralegal in a CSO arrangement, are prohibited from charging clients directly or indirectly for the legal services provided through the CSO. For example, as a paralegal, I must not require or permit a client to pay a membership fee to me as a paralegal or to the CSO for the purposes of gaining access to legal, to legal assistance. However, Bylaw 7 does permit me, as paralegal, to charge clients for disbursements relating to the legal services rendered through the CSO in some cases. Example would be court filing fees, photocopying costs, court reporting services, and experts' fees. To do so prior to entering into a paralegal-client relationship, I, as a paralegal, must communicate the disbursements cost to the client and ensure that the client understands the client's ob the client the client understands the client's obligations with respect to the payment of such disbursements. So let's say that I am a paralegal employed by the CSO. I should work with the CSO to develop a clear policy around these issues. For further information about paralegals' professional responsibilities in the context of CSOs, we could look at. Uh, Further readings, which I will be discussing further. So next is written confirmation. This is guideline 13, section 6AB, guideline 14, section 2. Paralegals should confirm their billing method in writing for both fees and disbursements, right? So as a paralegal, I may confirm this with my clients through a written return through a written retainer agreement signed by the client, an engagement letter from, the, from me as a paralegal, or a confirming memo to the client sent by mail, email, or fax. The written confirmation should set out the scope of the legal services to be, to be provided and describe how fees, expenses, and interest as is reasonable and practical in the circumstances will be charged, right? So let's say I'm a practicing uh, paralegal and I have a client named John, right? So the written confirmation would set out the scope of the legal services I am providing to John and describe how fees, expenses, and interest as is reasonable and practical in the circumstances will be charged, right? It should also address when and how payment from John must be received for outstanding accounts or and for further money retainers if appropriate 
Since all matters are not the same as paralegals, I should make sure the term for each engagement as I should as a paralegal I should make sure that the terms for each engagement are appropriate for each individual client's matter. Where appropriate, as a paralegal, I should also include details regarding the receipt of client settlement funds, right? So let's say I have a client named John, then I should include details regarding the receipt of of John's settlement funds. If John has agreed that I, as a paralegal, may pay himself or... If John has agreed that I, as a paralegal, may pay myself from the from John's settlement money received in trust, then this should be clearly confirmed in writing to ensure no misunderstanding, right? So payments from those funds can only be made after me as a paralegal has rendered the services and delivered an account in accordance with the paralegal rules and bylaw 9. So I'll be, dis- I'll be back to discuss further readings in the next segment.